Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You know, I was thinking about, as I read these passages from 1 Peter and from John, people in our lives who have been examples to us. Think about people that have been examples to you. And first of all, think about people that have been examples in terms of success, because when we think about people who have been examples, there are actually people who are examples positively and negatively in our lives. Like if you think of business, you probably think of Gates or Bezos or Buffett. And if you think of other areas in your lives that maybe even at times you aspired to, people in business, people in commerce, people in sports, people in music, I've had practically someone that I look to as my model at different times in my my life, depending upon the stage I was in in my life, for example. When I was young and I was thinking about what I was going to do with my life, and I've shared this before for those who have been around here, Perry Mason was my hero because he was really good in front of, you know, the, the judge and the people and always seeking the truth, and he was my hero. And then as I progressed a little more, it was becoming a rock star, and I had several that I could have emulated. I mean, I used to have hair down to here and you know, play guitar, still play guitar. Love playing Shepherd of My Soul this morning. <clears throat> and just somehow thinking, I could do that. And then my heart shifted again. When I started playing sports in high school and I thought, quarterback, college, pro. And then I realized my limitations there. But I mean, I think throughout my life and what to me represented success And then when I got married and had children, it was more success about being a good husband and being a good father and and being effective in my ministry. And What for you represents success? Who for you is a model in your life? Now that's one side. Think about the other side. Think about the side of people who have been incredibly infamous, spectacular failures because we've seen them especially because of the media in business again in politics in social circles people that we know people that go from not rags to riches but riches to rags their world comes crashing down they lose everything and you probably know people like that but we certainly have seen people like that in the public sphere, in the public eye. Think about biblical figures who have gone through that. Let's start with Jesus. Because at one level, Jesus was one of those rags-to-riches story in some ways. He wasn't rich in a worldly sense, but he went from being a nobody born in a stable, in a manger and became very successful in reaching people and touching lives. And then there was transfiguration. Moses and Elijah, the stars. He's with the stars. 
And then Palm Sunday where he's riding in, presumably going to take over. And then there's Good Friday. And then there's the resurrection for those who believe. And the question is, if you looked at those different stages, what would you think about this Jesus? What did his apostles think? What did his detractors think? Was he a success? Was he a failure? Who was he to them? I mean, we can go to other biblical figures too, including Peter. Peter, who was the first one to say, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Where else are we going to go? Who else are we going to follow? And then he denies him. Denies that he knows him. And then he lies about it. I don't know this man. And he's broken. You know, if you were just to open the pages of the Bible and just start from the beginning, Adam and Eve has paradise. How many of you would say you have paradise? You might say you have a, you know, a little hint of paradise. But we don't have paradise. It's not perfect in this life for none of us. None of us have paradise. And so the question is, when you start talking about paradise and then losing paradise, losing everything. Moses. Moses, who was born and should have been killed at birth, wasn't. Ended up in Pharaoh's house. He's this rising star. And then he kills somebody and he becomes a fugitive. And then he comes back. And what happens? He defeats Pharaoh's army as the leader of Israel because the Lord is with him. I mean, we could go through this. King Saul, King David, King Saul, who was the first king of Israel, head and shoulders above everybody else, if you know the story. And he fails. And then you've got King David. King David, who is incredible. I mean, Jesus, the Messiah, comes from the line of David. So you've got all these biblical figures that you can think of as success, failure, success, failure. But let's focus on Peter for a second, because Peter's the one that wrote our first reading today, and he was with Jesus when Jesus was talking in John 10. You know, Peter, not only who was this rising star in and of himself, the leader of the apostles, he was the spokesperson. And yet what happened to Peter? Peter failed. Peter crashed. Peter ended up leaving when Jesus was at his worst moment. And then, John 21, where he has this dialogue with Jesus after he experienced the resurrection with all the apostles. And he has this dialogue, and Jesus said, Do you love me? Do you love me? This opportunity for restoration, for the broken relationship being restored, for Peter truly understanding Jesus' forgiveness. And then he's commissioned. You're going to tend my sheep. You're going to feed my lambs. You're going to be a shepherd. Just like we heard Jesus say in John 10, he's the good shepherd. Then now Peter's being invited after this failure in his life to be that shepherd. That's pretty incredible. And with that in mind... I want to turn to 1 Peter, the reading that we had earlier. And if you have your Bible at home, it's 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning to read at verse 
Well, 19 is where we're going to start. Peter writes for, It is a credit to you if, being aware of God, you endure pain while suffering unjustly. If you endure when you are beaten for doing wrong, what credit is that? You know, think about that for a second. Nobody likes to suffer, period. Nobody likes to suffer. I mean, if I were to ask you, raise your hand, whether you're at home, around other people, who likes to suffer? Not many people like to suffer. Yeah, I'll go through that. I hate feeling good. I mean, and it's amazing that the suffering that comes into our lives, sometimes the suffering comes into our lives because we did something or because we didn't do something. We did something earlier in our lives that causes us suffering now because of sports, because of doing something stupid. I can relate to those. We make bad decisions at times and we suffer rightly, if you will. Not wrongly, but rightly. Because there are consequences to our behavior. You know, it's really, really interesting. We don't want or even expect to suffer. And when we suffer, we complain. Whether we're suffering rightly or wrongly, we complain. A lot of times in our lives. Think about it. We are upset because there are consequences to us doing something wrong. To us doing something stupid, to making a bad decision, to sinning. We get upset by the consequences because we just want to get out of the consequences. And so we complain for suffering rightly. For doing wrong. And no one likes to suffer. Peter's also saying, do you really have a right to complain about that? Because in fact, Peter's saying, take it a step further. We shouldn't complain at all when we suffer. If we suffer for doing right, because Jesus calls us to do his will, and if we suffer, we understand it's because God is using us and the world doesn't want to hear it. We understand that sometimes we go through hardship and challenges because we stand for Jesus, because we live for him. And once again, Jesus never hid that truth. That that's a part of our lives. Suffering is a part of our lives. It's just part of this fallen world. And we suffer for a variety of reasons, if you think about it. We suffer because we live in this fallen world. Sin entered the world and the world fell. We suffer because there's evil in the world. Whether it's personal or impersonal evil in the world, because of the fallen world, because of Satan, because of other people that do evil things, whether they are trying to hurt us on purpose or unintentionally, we suffer. That's part of life. Everybody knows suffering is a part of life. All we need to do is look around us. We hear it in the news every day. If you watch the news, there is suffering somewhere. It is a part of life. And I think what Peter is saying is, I'm trying to learn to suffer no matter what the situation is, by his grace, by his strength, by his power. 
Whether I suffer because of my sin, then I repent and I seek forgiveness, which Peter experienced. Peter experienced. Peter, when he first encountered Jesus, what did he say? He saw a miracle. He experienced this outpouring, this wonderful catch of fish. And he falls to his knees and says, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. He experienced this forgiveness, this love, this grace. So Peter is talking firsthand from what he experienced. His own suffering, his own struggles, internally and externally. You know, it's interesting in Hebrews, there's a, there's a verse that I remember the first time I read it. I remember Steve saying that Hebrews is one of his favorite books. And it comes from Hebrews chapter 12. Looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our, of our faith, who for the sake of joy was set before him to endure the cross. In other words, Jesus suffered for joy. He says it in the upper room. He prayed in John 17 that his joy would be in them and their joy would be complete. That's why he went to the cross. So that we would understand joy no matter what because joy is deeper than happiness. When we go through the suffering, we can still experience joy because of the Lord in our lives, because of the strength and power of the Holy Spirit working in us. We can still know joy because we look beyond this immediate pain that we're experiencing. We know. And some of us have been in pretty intense and severe pain at times in our lives. Emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. And he says, I'll be with you in that. In the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you in that because I'm your shepherd. And that's why Peter goes on to say, he bore our sins. He's in effect quoting Isaiah 53 that talks about by his stripes we are healed. He bore our iniquities. He suffered for our salvation. That Jesus became our substitute in suffering. The consequences we deserved for our sin, he took upon himself so that we don't have to, which is what we want in all areas of our lives. We don't want consequences, period, for bad behavior. And Isaiah prophesied about that. Remember when Peter betrayed Jesus? We're told that when he denied him the third time, the cock crowed. And he went out and wept bitterly. I don't know how many of you have ever wept bitterly. But the bitterness was about his own failure. And that's why when Peter is talking here, he's saying, he did this for me. He forgave me. He took on himself my sin, my pain, my shame, my guilt. So that I could know, as we read in John 21, his love and forgiveness and restoration. And then commissioned to be a shepherd like him. Even and because of his failure. Yes, he proclaimed Jesus as Messiah. Wonderful. And yes, he followed him. But then he knew the bitterness of his own failure. And he said, I need restoration and love and grace and forgiveness. That's what he said. 
That's what he experienced. So then we get to this wonderful line at the end of this section of scripture that we read in 1 Peter 2. Shepherd and guardian of my soul. Shepherd and guardian of my soul. What a great phrase. He's my shepherd, which again, Peter's probably thinking about first and foremost, John 10. I am the good shepherd. I'm the door. I'm the gate. In other words, I will lead you. You can follow me. I know your name. You need to know my voice because I love you. I care about you. I want to be your shepherd. I'm the door. I'm the door when you're in the wilderness and there's thieves and bandits. I'm right there at the door. I've got you. I'm the gate when you get home. I'm the one to give you security and safety and peace and love and joy at home when you feel secure. I'm the one all the time for you if you really understand why I'm here. Shepherd and guardian. He wants to guard us. He wants to keep us safe. He doesn't want us to experience suffering for the wrong reasons. So he tells us, this is how to live. This is what I want for you. I want to guard your soul. I'll send the Holy Spirit to guard your soul. Trust me. I'll keep you in my peace. I'll keep you for eternity. I'll bring you home. Just rest in me. You know, in our day and age, we are inundated by people who tell us what we need and how it is. I mean, especially today. But I mean, I think ever since there's been media of any kind, written, vocal, radio, television, now social media, there have always been people who tell us how it is, what we need to do, what we need to believe, always. And I mentioned last, uh, two weeks ago about the coronavirus and how there's so much information out there. I've mentioned that in my midweek message. We get overloaded with information, and who do we trust and why? A couple of us were talking before the service, you know, the statistics. I saw in the news this morning, the statistics. What statistics? Whose statistics? Who's got all the statistics? No one. So how do we know? Who do we trust? And we've got the president, and we've got governors telling us how it is, and we have different states reacting different ways because they trust different experts. The economic experts, the physical experts, the health experts, the social experts, the psychologists who are telling us people are getting depressed. And you've got states reacting in different ways at different times. Why? Because there's different experts out there. And then, of course, there's us. We're all experts, right? It depends on what the area is. Oh, this is the issue. Oh, this is the, you need to trust me. I know. We're all experts at one level or another. And so we're the ones we trust. Who do you trust and why? Now, given the inundation that we're experiencing from the media right now, take a step back. Who do you trust spiritually and emotionally and morally and why? 
Jesus died in your place for your sin, for your failures, for your bad decisions. He wants to keep you and be the guardian of your soul for all eternity. The, the soul, the deepest part of who we, who we are. That's how God made us. Our soul. Our mind, our will, our emotion are all wrapped up with our soul because we are one being. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He wants to guard your soul. And he is the source, spiritually, morally, emotionally, for security and stability and peace and love, which we all desperately need and want. Especially during this uncertain time, everybody is seeking that, which is why social distancing and isolation, we talk about, can't wait to give people hugs. I can't wait to give people hugs. But in the meantime, the Lord will keep my soul because he's the guardian of my soul. He will keep me in his joy. He will give me the strength to endure whatever it is that I have to endure because of my personality, because of my struggles, because of my shortcomings, because of my failures. We're all unique in that. And he knows each of us. He wants us to know his voice and he knows us each by name. We're all unique in that. And he can say to you, I know you. I love you. And I forgive you. Rest in me because I want to be your good shepherd. You know, going back to Peter for a second, we see Peter being restored in John 21. Not long after that, Jesus ascends, Pentecost happens, the Holy Spirit comes. That's Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 3. What does Peter do? Peter walks to the temple with John, heals a man, and then starts preaching because he has the opportunity. He has the platform. So he starts preaching. What happens? He gets arrested. He gets warned. Because he stepped out of line, because he was following the good shepherd. He was doing what the good shepherd did. And what did the good shepherd experience? He got persecuted. He got arrested. He got warned. Two chapters later, Acts chapter 5, he goes to the temple again. He starts preaching again, even though he was told not to preach. And he says this wonderful line, I must obey God rather than man. I must obey God rather than man. Because when he followed man before, he would say to Jesus, depart from me, from a sinner. When he would follow man before, he would deny Jesus and be broken. He didn't want to experience that pain again, that suffering again for doing wrong. He was willing to suffer for doing right because he wanted to follow the shepherd and listen to the shepherd's voice. So what happens in Acts chapter 5? He gets beaten. And after he gets beaten, what does he do? He walks out. And he starts sharing with other people, I am so privileged, I am so blessed to suffer for the name of Jesus. I'm sure that's how we all would be. Because he knew. Because he knew. So, 
this attitude that we have in our culture about suffering and struggle. Suffering is evil. Make no mistake about it. Suffering has its source in a fallen world, in Satan, in fallen flesh. Make no mistake about it. Suffering is evil. How do we respond to evil? We don't want to suffer for doing wrong, so we reject the evil, the temptation in our lives so that we're not suffering for doing wrong. We recognize that we may suffer for doing right. And that's where God meets us. That's where God gives us strength. That's where God gives us peace. That's where God pours his Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we know his fruit amidst the challenges of our lives. So first and foremost, the shepherd, Jesus, wants us to know him as Savior and Lord, the one who bore our sin, the one who wants to call us to follow him as our Lord and be shepherd as we then begin to be shepherds for other people and follow in his footsteps. That's the call. That's the blessing. That's what Peter learned in his life. As he discovered Jesus amidst the sin and wanting Jesus to go away, and Jesus said, no, you're going to follow me. And then experiencing tremendous failure and then forgiveness and love and grace. That's what we long for. When we meet him first as Savior and Lord, when we come to him day after day, when we suffer. Because lots of the world is suffering right now. To know the shepherd and guardian of your soul. Let's pray. Lord God, there are so many voices out there calling to us, telling us how it is, how to live, what to believe. Lord, help us to turn to the one who died for our sin, to secure our eternity, to give us life and life abundantly. Your son, Jesus, who is the good shepherd, who is the door, the gate, who wants to be the shepherd and guardian of our souls. Lord, I pray for those who don't know you today, that they would come to know you as Savior and Lord, that they would seek to follow you and rest in you as the shepherd and guardian of their soul, our souls. During this challenging time with the coronavirus, during this challenging time of knowing when to, what to do, that ultimately and eternally we would trust you the shepherd and guardian of our souls. And we pray this in Jesus' name.